while our planet was being destroyed, while inequality grew like a cancer, we worried about whether it was all right to speak the mass in Latin, whether it, girls should be allowed to be altar servers. We built walls around us, and all the time, all the time, the real danger was inside, inside with us. What are you talking about? I think you know what I'm talking about. We knew there were priests, bishops, great men of the church who prayed on children. And what did we do? We, we heard their confession, then moved them on to another parish where they could start all over again. We believed that they confessed. Or we believed it was better if nine children suffered than if nine million lost their faith because of a scandal. No, of course not. That is grotesque. A bishop, a bishop said that to me. Uh-huh. How did you answer him? I told him to remove the priest from his ministry and initiate a canonical trial straight away. I didn't believe a few magic words from the priest would make everything all right again. Magic words, is that how you describe the sacrament? Confession cleans the sinner's soul. It does not help the victim. Sin is a, a wound, not a stain. It needs to be healed, to be treated. Forgiveness is not enough. hear me? No? All right. It'll get better. There we go. Uh, my name is Haley Shepherds, and I'm the Outreach Minister for Hope Ames, which means I get to hang out with all of you. Um, you're a huge part of the Ames community, and so I get to spend a lot of time here at Kairos. Uh, but I wanted to start with that clip uh, because it has a lot to do with what we're do here today for, and it's Ash Wednesday. And I'll talk a little bit more about that, but that clip from the two popes, uh, they're talking about the reality of sin. They're talking about how even in the highest church institutions of the world, sin is there, which means sin is in all of our lives. There's no area in the world where sin doesn't exist. And if you're a person that lives or has no sin, please let me know, because you must be God, because <laughs> it doesn't exist. But what's important about that clip was they talk about not only our need for forgiveness, but also our recogni recognition of the sins that we have caused. Not only from our inaction, uh, but we see Pope Francis and we see Pope Benedict also talk about what their inaction led to. It led to abuse of innocent children. And I know that the Catholic Church is not the only place that this happens in. Abuse exists in all areas of life. And so when we celebrate Ash Wednesday, we're actually reflecting on those sorrows. That's what Ash Wednesday is about. We're reflecting on the fact that we all fall. And sin isn't a very uh, exciting topic. Most people don't want to talk about sin, but it's important because there's good news at the end of it. So you'll see on this next slide that this is what Ash Wednesday is all about. We have no spiritual show-offs. None of us are spiritual show-offs because we all fall. We see time and time again, and Jesus talks to religious leaders in Scripture, and he humbles them because he knows all of our sin. And that's what we do when we celebrate Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is the kickoff of this 40-day uh, journey towards the cross. Uh, we call it Lent. So if you're not familiar with Lent, it's 40 days leading up to what we call Holy Week. We celebrate Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and it ends with Easter. And it's this journey to the cross. But before we start this journey, we celebrate Ash Wednesday. And there's a lot that we have to think about with Ash Wednesday. One thing we say here at Kairos all the time is the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all come from the same place and we lay our burdens and our sins at the foot of the cross. And we are all equal because we're all sinners. But Ash Wednesday is about reflecting on our humanness. 
It's about reflecting on the ways in which we experience brokenness in our life, maybe the ways that we harm others or we even harm ourselves. And it's a time to talk with God about that. And we see uh, time and time again that uh, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up in the midst of brokenness. We also see uh, this, this celebration, this tradition of Ash Wednesday. Uh, we also believe at Kairos, we don't worship tradition. Uh, we worship God, but this tradition points us to something special. It points us uh, to our humanness and the fact that Jesus has come to do something about it. And so uh, this tradition actually stems from this story in the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, and then he heads out into the wilderness, and he fasts for 40 days. So if you've ever fasted for Lent, that is where it comes from, because Jesus did it. He fasts for 40 days, and then he's tempted by evil in the wilderness. And it's a parallel story to our Bible reading, where we see Adam and Eve who face temptation. We see uh, that where they fail, Jesus does not. And so that's what we're leading into with Holy Week. We see this in 2 Corinthians that talks about uh, the joyous success that we have uh, with Jesus who has no sin. We read it here. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The word righteousness is a word that's commonly used in churches. It literally means, means to be made right with God. And right here, we have our answer. Jesus is the way. And so we need to recognize our need, our need for God. And we do that this Ash Wednesday, but we can do it at all times and in all places. It's not just specifically for Ash Wednesday, but it's a time for us to do it together to recognize our need for God in the midst of some hard things that we face in our life and the sin that we also have in our own lives. And so uh, one ritual that we also see in the Old Testament was that um, if someone was grieving or someone had extreme sorrows, they would sit in a pile of ashes in the Old Testament or they would throw ashes on their head. And so that's where we get the tradition of putting ashes in the form of a cross on our foreheads. Um, so now, instead of you know, sitting in our ashes or instead of throwing ashes on our head, we actually receive Christ. It's Christ who makes us right in the midst of our brokenness. And we're going to dive more into that. But going back uh, to the clip we just saw, you see the reality that we all fall in our need of being made right with God. And so we read this in Romans uh, chapter 3, verses 23. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And maybe you've read that or heard that in church. Um, it's a verse that comes up quite frequently. We also see uh, that God has come to do something about it. Not fall, um, but something even better. How many of you, maybe in this room, have actually fallen physically, not just spiritually, but maybe you've fallen and you've hurt yourself, or at some point in your life, you've probably fallen on the ground. I would hope that everyone, maybe you have some stories, it's college, a lot of people fall. <laughs> and so when you think about falling physically, we get hurt, right? When you actually fall to the ground, most oftentimes you're harmed. Maybe you just have that one friend who's extremely clumsy. But this physical fall also kind of reflects the spiritual fall that we experience too. I know my sister a couple weeks ago, um, she was texting me and a couple of her roommates are here in the room today and got to witness this story too, but uh, she texted me in the 
she texted me some photos of herself. I didn't really know what was going on. Um, and she let me know that she was out with her roommates and uh, she slipped and she fell. Uh, but what I didn't know until later was that she slipped right in front of a staircase and fell down the entire flight of stairs. And so she sent me these pictures and I'm gonna embarrass her here tonight. <laughs> Those are her. So that's my sister Sam, she's an Iowa State student. Uh, she gave me, the first one was the first one she sent and then she sent the thumbs up one so, she'd know, so I knew she was okay. She is fine. Uh, but Sam, the story about Sam actually reflects our Bible story pretty well. The minute she fell down the stairs, she was mortified. She was embarrassed. And so what did she do? She ran away. She physically just sprinted out of the building. People came out and asked, you know, hey, did you fall? She immediately lied to them and said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Because that's what we do when we fall. We stumble and we lie about it. It's the same story from Genesis, from the beginning of time, and we still do it today. And now, for you who can't stand the sight of blood, I'm really sorry. We can change it to the next screen. But this is what sin is and sin does to us. We fall. We miss the mark. We have this God's glorious standard that we simply can't live up to. And we miss and we fall. Sin literally means to miss the mark, but it's also falling short of who God created us to be in the world. And we see that relationships with God are important in our lives. They help direct it. And we even see uh, later on, too, uh, how this relationship can play out between God and us through kind of a, a little illustration I have here for us. I know there's a couple people at Kairos who love sneakers. Colin, I know you love sneakers. Um, but this is a great example of what our relationship with God looks like. When we're in perfect relationship with God, we have one shoelace that's us, we have one shoelace that's God, and we have a perfect bow. Now, it's pretty easy to move in the world when our shoes are tied right, right? When we're in right relationship with God, when we're in wholeness with God, when we're in right relationship, we experience healing, we experience life, we experience forgiveness. Now, God's good instruction for how to live a right way. God gives us commands in the Bible, but they're not because God needs to command us. They're for our own good. God's commands are these bumpers, like on a bowling lane that help keep us on the right path and keep moving forward. And so we see that when our shoes are tied, we experience joy, we experience life, we experience forgiveness, and uh, we see then um, sometimes we fall out of that. We miss the mark. And we see that these shoelaces can easily become untied. Now this is a tripping hazard. When God and I are separated, things tend to not go well. I don't know about you. And then sometimes I have the audacity to be not only separated from God, but then I say, God, I can just, I can be you. And I, here's my shoe. Here's how we operate in the world, with shame and ego and pride and brokenness. We think, God, I'll just put myself in your shoes. I'm just gonna be you. And then we end up tying ourselves together and it becomes a disaster. This becomes the worst tripping hazard I can ever imagine. You're not gonna come out of that unharmed. When our shoes are tied, when our brokenness is tied and we try to take God's place, we say, God, I can just do things my way. It's pretty easy for us to fall. But the other way is living God's way. 
living in perfect relationship with God. And we'll talk more about how we get there. When we talk about sin, part of sin is just recognizing that our, that our shoes are untied, recognizing that we're tied to ourselves and we're taking control and we're trying to lead our own life instead of allowing God to work through us and lead us. And then we also see confession is part of our faith. And confession may seem like this scary word to you. Maybe you grew up where confession was a requirement, or maybe you never participated in confession at all. But confession is simply recognizing, oh no, God, my shoes are tied and it's a mess and I need your help. I'm going to stumble and fall, or maybe I already have. We can confess that. So what happens when we spiritually stumble? We can look to our Bible reading where we see in the book of Genesis the first spiritual stumble in the Garden of Eden. It's interesting that in our opening clip with the two popes, we see that they're actually in a garden. And that's where our Bible reading takes place. The Garden of Eden at the creation of the world. We see that God created and looked over all he had made and he said it was very, very good. And we also see that the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. That's where we get our dust from Ash Wednesday. It comes from the very beginning, the book of Genesis, as we're in this origin series. But God had given humanity everything they could have possibly wanted. They were moving. They were living in perfect unity with God. We see that they quickly stumble and fall. We see in Genesis 3-2, the woman is saying, uh, the serpent and the woman are having a conversation. And she said that it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or touch it. If you do, you will surely die. That's the consequence. Death entered the picture. Sin entered the picture. We see that spiritual death eventually leads to a physical death. Everyone here in this room will die eventually, but I want to focus on the spiritual death, this consequence of sin that we're experiencing right now. I think there's some things that we can talk about with sin. Um, I think it's important to take sin seriously, but we also need to recognize that the shame can go away. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We'll say that time and time again because it's true. God, when we get tripped up, God doesn't want us to move this way and he'll put pressure on our heart. You ever felt that, that weight or that tug? That's the Holy Spirit moving. God will move to help you recognize the ways in which we have fallen into sin. And maybe sometimes you just ignore it, but God is gentle and loving. God's not just gonna rip, rip into you and say, you know, and fill you with shame. No, but instead will draw you closer to him. But so often, uh, we misdiagnose the problem. We sin, God doesn't bring this wrath, um, but it's easy to say uh, you know, that we can go overboard with how we look at our sin. It's easy, you know, we're not gonna ever tell you that you need to make an inventory of all your sins, you need to meet here every single week, and then you have to tell us how often you did those sins this week. We're not gonna do that. God doesn't ask that of us. What we do ask of you is, if you're struggling, if you're experiencing difficult habits or hangups or hurt in your life, when you are ready, please come and talk to us about it. Talk to your friends about it. Talk to God about it, above all else. Turn to God. 
We don't need a spreadsheet of all your sins. God knows them all. And God still brings forgiveness again and again. But I do think we need to take it seriously. Because these trips and these falls, they hurt. They hurt not only you, but they hurt the people around you. So it's important for us, especially on Ash Wednesday, to reflect on that. What are those things? It's easy to even refuse to look at the sin within ourselves. Maybe if I just ignore it, it'll go away. How much is in your suitcase? How much is in your backpack? Things that you've just pushed away and didn't want to deal with it. We read this from C.S. Lewis. Uh, The forces of spiritual evil are most effective when the people either make too little or too much of their sin. That's what we're talking about here. But we're going to approach sin, um, not with shame, but with love and encouragement and above all else, hope. One of my favorite quotes from this movie, The Two Popes, is this. I believe it's uh, one of the popes, I believe it's Pope Francis, said this to Pope Benedict. We built walls around us, but the whole time the danger was inside of us. It's so easy, especially right now, to see all the hurt and the sin in the world, but it's also important to look within ourselves. How are we active in it? How is our inactivity also causing hurt for the people around us? And then we also see how quickly uh, sin deceives us. How quickly evil deceives us. We see that the serpent says this to the woman, did God really say? The serpent was the shrewdest of all the animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any tree in the garden? Did you really say? You can go back a slide. And we see, we can sit here all day and talk about, well, who is this serpent? Serpent's the first person, we want, first character, excuse me, we want to blame but it's important to know that a more accurate translation of the serpent is actually a snake in the grass. It's an idiom most scholars think that means a faithless friend. And so we see that this character is actually this deception, this lie. This creature says, did God really say that? How many times do we tell ourselves that? And then we see in the next verse, the serpent says to the woman, well, you won't die. That's how lies go, right? They deceive us. We read here that evil wants us to doubt our beliefs and believe our doubts. And I will never say that doubt is bad. I think you should take your doubts to God. But above all else, constantly evil is trying to deceive us, to walk away from our belief in God. We read in Psychology Today that there's actually um, a way you can craft a convincing lie. And these are the steps to do that. The first is to think about what you need to lie about. Then you need to plan out the details of your story. And then the last one shocked me. It said, start with the truth. The easiest way to lie is to bend the truth. And that's what evil does to us. You see this story that this snake put this, puts this delicious opportunity in front of the woman. And it's bending the truth. You won't die. We see later on that, yeah, sin and death do come into the picture. It just didn't cause an immediate physical death. It just happens eventually. So how do we respond in our sin to God? What do we do? We know we've been deceived. Maybe we've deceived ourselves. There's this word called repentance that's used in the Bible and is used in churches today too. Repentance literally means to turn around. It also means a change of direction or a change of mind. 
And so we see that confession and repentance go hand in hand. Confession is saying, God, I need help. My shoes are tied. Repentance is allowing the Holy Spirit to come and move and untie this knot and put us back into right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So we see repent of your sins is what John the Baptist tells people before he baptizes them. Turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's where Jesus comes in. This is who Jesus is. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son. Repentance changes us from, did God really say that? To look at what God did. We see this in Romans. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. Christ lives within you. Even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. God delivers on those promises. Instead of, did God really say? We see that God promises us unfailing love. God promises to make all things new. God promises us forgiveness and renewal, justice, mercy, eternal life. I could keep going. But evil's nature is convincing. And it's really easy to stumble and fall and to get tied up. We see that the woman was convinced. We see that the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious. And she wanted wisdom. So she took up the fruit and she ate it. Our desires, our power, our free will, it can become a snake in the grass, a faithless friend. If left unchecked by the truth of God's love. And so, on this Ash Wednesday, instead of just thinking about our sin and our sorrow and our shame and our brokenness, I also want to help us understand the importance of truth-telling. The importance of not only being honest with ourselves and the people around us, but with God, too. We see that that's the exact opposite of what we experience in the Garden of Eden. We see that Um, The moment their eyes were opened, they suddenly felt their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And the wife heard the Lord God walking about the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. The humans didn't immediately feel shame because they felt bad they had to tell God. They felt shame because they thought someone was going to see. They thought, someone was going to see my nakedness. And that embarrassment, and we cover up, and we bury it. The Lord says to the man, where are you? Where are you? What a gentle reminder that we can reveal ourselves. It's not show yourself now. God invites us to reveal ourselves and doesn't force us and doesn't shame us. No, God loves us. We see that here in the garden. I cannot count how many times I have been in the position um, where I've had to share bad news especially Eve in this story, she's probably thinking, oh no, how am I going to tell God what I've done? How am I going to tell them? Have you ever been in that position? With someone that you hid something from, you lied to, you broke a promise, you betrayed trust. Our first instinct is to lie and to cover it up and make it sound like it isn't that bad. But then there's news that you simply cannot cover up because it's so terrible. My dad called me yesterday I was, as I was preparing this message, um, and he told me, you know, just flat out, Haley, 
My best friend just called and told me that he was diagnosed with ALS and he's not gonna make it much longer. That's bad news that you can't cover up. That's bad news that you can't hide. That's deep sorrow. I'll never forget when I was given a call and someone told me that my grandmother's cancer had spread um, from you know, different parts of her body and it now had entered their bones. And the first thing I did when I heard that news was I hid from her. I was so brokenhearted over the news that she wasn't gonna live much longer that I didn't want her to see me sad, so I avoided her. I hid, because I didn't want her to see how sad this news made me. But she wanted to see me, the same way that God wants to see you, no matter uh, your brokenheartedness, no matter the sin that you experience. So I wish we would talk about sin the way we talk about bad news. But we so often just cover it up. I'll never forget the time my parents told me they were getting a divorce. The first thing they did after that was they made us go bowling together as a family. That was like the worst thing they could have possibly done, right? They just tried to cover it up. We're getting a divorce. By the way, we're still going to be a happy family. Yay! No, we were mad. I think I threw a gutter ball literally every single time. We can laugh about it now because it's been years and I have two amazing step-parents, but it's so much better when we are just honest with ourselves, when we're honest with people, when there's no hiding and so the foundation of Ash Wednesday isn't just sorrow, it's, it's truth-telling. God invites you today to tell the truth. You no longer have to sit in your pile of ashes or your sorrow alone or bury it down. No, we can take ashes and we can make them into the sign of the cross. It's Ash Wednesday. And at some point today, those ashes will be washed away. Well, so at least until you take a shower. I hope that happens eventually, but they'll be washed away. Because we don't have to sit in our sin and our brokenness and our sorrow, no. We see this um, in our scripture reading that um, Eve is saying this, I, God, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. When we receive forgiveness, when we trust the power of God, this verse changes. Changes to this. I heard you walking into the garden. You can go to the next slide. And so I said, here I am. What if we said that? Here I am, God. I am human, I am dust, and I am loved. What if we changed that verse to be the verse for us today? We see that Ash Wednesday isn't just about confessing our sins, about seeing the ways we sin, but it's about more. It's about understanding who we are and whose we are. Now we're gonna take a time of reflection to connect with God. We're gonna sit, you can open your eyes, you can look up, you can look down, you can pray. We're just gonna take a moment to just sit with God together. Think about our sorrows and our hurt and our shame and our sin. You can give it to God today.
Confession isn't something you have to do alone. In fact, it's something that we oftentimes in church services, we do together. And so I'm going to have a prayer that's going to pop up on the screen here. And I just encourage you that we can confess together. You're not in it alone. So let's say these words. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and the walk in your way to the glory of your holy name. Amen. God gives you forgiveness so we can walk in his ways, not our ways. And we get to receive that forgiveness in communion. So you can take out your communion cups. It was on the night which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it for all to eat, saying, this body is my blood, this is my body is given for you. Do this for remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it for all to drink, saying, this cup is the new covenant shed in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. We're going to go ahead and say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. On this next screen here, I'm going to invite anyone who's helping deliver ashes. We're actually going to receive ashes during our last song. So we'll have ushers guide you to the front balcony. You guys can hold tight. Don't worry, we have someone coming for you. Uh, But these are the words that are going to be said to you as you receive ashes. Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And we'll make the sign of the cross on your forehead. But I want you to remember something. If you have received baptism, we say these same words to you at the bottom of the screen. Child of God, you have been sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. In baptism, you receive that cross. On Ash Wednesday, you receive that cross. But this promise is forever. You are a child of God. Those ashes will be washed away. Your sin is washed away. So let's go ahead. Um, You guys can stand up and sing, and we'll have those ushers dismissed.